You are listening to the Brad LaFrat Podcast, Episode 9. This week I'm talking to a good friend and fellow Iowa State fan, Sean Wilson. So, let's get started. Hey everybody, Brad LaFrat here. Welcome to another episode of the Brad LaFrat Podcast. I want to thank you for listening. The podcast is produced every other Monday for you, and I encourage everyone to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can also find the podcast on podbean.com. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Brad Pod. That's B-R-A-D-L-A-F-R-A-T-T-E-P-O-D. And you can also follow me at Brad LaFrat. All links will be in the show notes. On this week's show, I will be talking to my friend and fellow Iowa State fan, Sean Wilson. Sean and I have a cyclone therapy session as we discuss the highs and lows of being an Iowa State fan and everything in between. This week, my guest is making his podcast debut. He is a fellow Cyclone fan and a good friend of mine, Sean Wilson. Sean, I appreciate you taking the time to join me this afternoon. What's up? Not much. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. And like you said, this is one of my dreams. Before we get started, Sean, can you let our listeners know where they can follow you on the information superhighway? Uh, yeah. Twitter's Sean Wilson 1919. That's pretty much it. Well, I guess it'd be only appropriate if we let our listeners know how this podcast came about. And probably the best place to start is our friendship. Do you remember how we became friends? I remember a a little, maybe a little tiff over a a Packers comment I made during the playoffs. Was it last year? I don't know if it was playoffs or if it was the regular season. But the way way I remember it was uh, Packers were having a tough day. And I believe you were under fire by some other Twitter was it, followers. Maybe it was two years ago, 49ers. No, I think no, it was last year. Last year, Arizona Cardinals? Uh, yeah, yep, been, second round. Yep. And I think I made what I thought was an encouraging comment to you on Twitter, and I think you took it as negative, but I really meant it as positive. There, that, It's starting to ring a bell. And from that moment, it, it all began. I posted uh, something on Twitter about needing someone to use one of my unused season tickets, Iowa State basketball tickets, and you took me up on it. Yeah, until you uh, sent me a, a direct message on Twitter, and you said, hey, I got an extra ticket. To, was it Kansas or another game? I think it was uh, before Kansas. Before Kansas, and I said, well, what's the price? And you said free, and then I said free as in I'm going to show up uh, to my house the next morning with no kidneys or actually free. <laughs> and you said free and uh, started from there. And there's your background for this podcast. Let's talk a little football first, Iowa State football. And for our listeners, this is going to be based around Iowa State athletics. In our, and Because that's a common bond Sean and I share is Iowa State athletics. I would say this season, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for the future, but the best way to describe what's happening this season is encouraging but disappointing. I don't know if it's 50-50 encouraging and exciting, but I remember being at the first game, the I game, having great tickets on the 30-yard line. I think it was row three, and I remember leaving at halftime. So there's your discouraging part. 
As far as uh, encouraging, I thought the Baylor game was encouraging and the Oklahoma State game was encouraging, but again, ends with discouraging. I think going back before the season started, I thought they got themselves a really good teacher, and that's what I lo- that's what I see in Campbell as a good teacher. He's not a hurrah guy. I think he'll show he's shown some emotion, and he can be that guy if, if needed. But I think he's a good teacher, and I think he's got a lot of good assistant coaches that are going to do a lot of good teaching. What I see right now, and I thought the same thing heading into the season, there was no depth on the offensive and defensive line. And I still do not think they have a quarterback. And let me explain myself. I think if you have, and I've always thought this no matter where you're at in the country, if you have two quarterbacks, you really don't have one in most 9 out of 10 cases. And I still don't think either one of the quarterbacks, is. I, I think they have talent, but I don't think they have the extra drive like a Sage Rosenfelds or Seneca Wallace, quarterbacks that have had success at Iowa State. They just don't have that it factor to me as a fan. And I'm sure a lot of people will take have a different point of view than me, but I just don't think it, when it all comes down to it, you have to have a quarterback, and I, Iowa State hasn't had one. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I, I'm not sure Lanning has what it takes. Not sure Park has what it takes. You would think at this point in the season, I mean, it's, I don't want to call it a lost season, but I think we have to win out to go to a bowl game. You would think at this point that Campbell would pick one quarterback and stick with them, but he's definitely not shown that that's the way he's going to go. So then part of me thinks, well, is there somebody on the bench or somebody that's redshirting this year that he does think is the quarterback for the next two to three years? I thought it would be Park since Park has a he has two years left after this year and Lanning only has one but but I don't, I don't know at this point in the season I definitely think there's a lot of promise with some of the younger players I just don't think there's enough depth what is promising and getting back to what I thought would be a three-year project I think in year three of his uh, the Campbell era I think they will see a lot of positive things in year three. I still think it's going to be a process from the, the first, you know, like this year, then next year I think they're going to start. It just, they have to they have to be able to pull out one of those Baylor games because it, it really, confidence is contagious. And being a Chicago Cubs fan, fan like I am, I really feel that this year they showed that they, they have, you have talent, but if you have that confidence, it really bleeds down throughout the you know, throughout the system, throughout your, you know, the rest of your roster, then throughout your fan base. And I think confidence is something that Iowa State, that just that little bit of extra confidence would go a long way. And how you accomplish something like that is through a win, uh, pulling that Baylor out, finishing one of those games really is what they're missing right now. And I, but it all, it all goes back to depth. They don't have it right now. Campbell showed that he can recruit. We have a top 40 recruiting class, top 35 at one point for next year, which is very promising in Iowa State. Uh, I think they ranked third. The last polls I saw on 27sports.com, they were third in the Big 12 with recruiting next year, and I think that's a, that's a huge step in the right direction. Yeah, I think one thing that we all underestimated going into the season was maybe the corruption is probably not the best word to use, but just the problems behind the scenes and how much uh, of a, a teardown job this really was. Uh, me personally, I thought going into the season, 
You had Alan Lazard. You had some. You had Joel Lanning who had some starts under his belt. Mike you know, Warren. Mike Warren. You know, you think you go and you just tweak the coaching, the play calling a little bit, and you take this talent and maybe you go to a bowl game. But I think a lot of us were shocked by how much of a tear-down job this was. You know, stepping out of my realistic Iowa State skin, I, I guess you could say, you know, the other side of my fandom is just absolutely pissed off because you don't have to be good in college football to go to a bowl game. Let's be honest about it. Six and six should you should not get in a bowl game at six and six in my opinion. You should you should have to have at least a winning record to go to a bowl game in my opinion. There's too many bowl games. It waters down the whole system. Yes, am I all for kids being able to go and do that, you know, experience the bowl you know, the whole bowl experience, yes. But, you know, it just waters down the whole system. And you don't have to be good to go to a bowl game. And that's what pisses me off the most is you don't have to be good. You just have to have a pulse to go to a bowl game. I don't know if it actually happened last year, but I believe towards Two, two, five, and seven, Nebraska. Nebraska, yep. You know? And at that point, I think if you're you're that bad that you're going at five and seven, they have academic tiebreakers to who gets in. So I completely agree with you. You have to, in my opinion, you have to win over 500% of your games, you know, so you need to have at least seven wins. I think that's fair. And I think it's hard to argue that point. Just kind of wrapping up with football talk here, Iowa State football talk. I definitely think that year three is the year where Iowa State fans will be rewarded. They'll have enough depth. He'll have two recruiting classes under him. He should have enough depth. Uh, if he continues to recruit the way he's recruiting, he'll definitely have enough depth there and talent to match what Iowa State needs to get back to a bowl game. Let's talk a little bit, a little bit brighter spot when it comes to Iowa State athletics. Something that we both enjoy very much, and that's how we got to know each other is through Iowa State basketball. Let's talk ourselves a little Monte Morris, Big Twelve preseason player of the year uh, by the coaches in the Big Twelve. Not surprised one bit. I'd say I'm not surprised, but I will uh, throw this out there that what is a preseason award i mean is it really a a lifetime achievement award i mean it seems like a kansas or baylor Baylor player getting them every year so it is nice to have an iowa state player get it but i mean you You can also say that about you know kansas is picked to win the big 12 every year because of what they did previously it's great for Monte to get it. I mean, it's awesome to have an Iowa State player get it. I definitely think, I do think looking at, the Big 12 lost a lot of good seniors last year. A lot of good players came out, you know, solid, into, you know, not only solid players, but I think the Big 12 lost a lot of good players off the court as well. A lot of seniors that were really uh, good ambassadors for not only the school, but the Big 12. What really was encouraging in April, April 12th or 11th, when he decided to come back, he knew he was coming back and that's what he was going to do, and there was no wavering. He didn't let Iowa State, he didn't lead Iowa State on. But I I definitely think this is definitely a step in the right direction. I think talk about the seniors and what they mean to Iowa State. First, you know, Monte coming back, no wavering there. He knew he was coming back. He knew he had some things to get work on. He season he's re- his shots really grown. He's going to do what he's going to do. He's not going to turn the ball over, and he is every coach's dream to have a point guard that you don't have to absolutely worry about. He can, he can defend. Can he get better on the defensive end? Yes. And I think that everything I've heard from the uh, Steve Prohm's press conference last week, he is dedicating himself more to a shot and the defensive end. 
I think those are two places where he could really help his game and help his in what I think it will be eventually a first round draft pick in the NBA next uh, summer. But you not only have Monte, but you have Matt Thomas, Naz Long coming back, and Deontay Burton. Those are your four main starters. We got a couple grad fifth year guys coming in, and and we got Stu sitting over there on the you bench. Got Stu on that. So. I think Stu gets you at least to the Sweet 16. <laughs> Just what are your thoughts on those guys in those main core of seniors? I guess you can really count all six of them because you had two other guys coming in that have their D1 battle tested, and those are good signs. Right. Uh, I mean, just echoing what you said about Monte, every coach's dream. I worry about how much weight he put on this summer. And, you know, what I remember from last year besides, you know, beating Iowa with that floater was him driving the lane and just getting hammered night after night. And I don't know if his body can take that. So I'm hoping he put on some good weight over the summer and he can take that beating that the Big 12 likes to give out. Matt Thomas, sophomore year wasn't uh, anybody's dream, but junior year was was great. Another solid player, you know, there's going to be nights where he's going to put up. His jersey number, 21 points. What is there not to say about Naz? I mean, he's probably, minus George Niang, Naz is probably my favorite player in the last seven to ten years. You know, just the, you know, it's the in the huddle type of guy, firing his team up, always knows how to hit a big shot, you know, against Oklahoma State a couple times. Deontay, I'm not sold on Deontay. I want to see, and we talked about this before we started recording today, I want to see he's he's got every gift in the world athletically. He's got his his strength and his athleticism. The combination is just lethal. It reminds me he's a three he's three inches shorter than Marcus Pfizer, but he's got that same kind of you know toughness and build. It's for me, it's the attitude and consistency on the defensive end. He always showed me. And some people are like this. Some people, I'm. I tend to be a very emotional person. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve, but and that's how I played when I played. But a lot of guys are just stoic, and they just don't show a whole lot of emotion. They're just there's nothing there. That's they have a straight face all the time, no matter what, no matter how high everybody else is or how low. They're always the same. And he kind of reminds me of that person. I just want to see more fire from him and consistency on the defensive end is yeah. where I really because offensively we know he if you spread the floor and you got a guy that's weaker than he is he's going to take him to the hole and he's going to he's going to throw it down that's the type of talent he's got or he can or he has a soft enough touch from the outside he can he can shoot a three or a jump shot which is really encouraging because he's got three phases there. But it just comes down to consistency with effort on the defensive end based on our sample size that we had last year. Yeah, I guess, well, we have one semester sample size. Like you said, I don't know if there's anybody physically uh, more gifted in the Big 12 than Deontay. My only question is, is he mentally engaged night after night? You know, it's funny when you sit in Hilton and you watch players warm up. The Georges, the Montes, when it's, you know, a game before and they're warming up, they're not taking 40-foot three-pointers or trying to do a dunk contest winning dunk every time down the floor. So I think what I'm hoping is is that Deontay's grown up a little bit in that standpoint. 
and just was just ready to use all of his talents. Everything I've read and I watched Steve Prohm's press conference, Iowa State version of it, uh, the Big 12 press conference uh, media days are this coming Tuesday down in Kansas City at the Sprint Center. But the one Iowa State held this last week, it sounds like he is he personally went to Prohm and talked about making these changes that we're talking and some of the concerns that we have. He uh, addressed those personally with Prohm and he talked about, I saw an interview with John Walters, he talked about being a, a double-double guy, being a rebound, just he, he's focusing on rebounding because they don't have that depth inside. In terms, we don't have a shot blocker, rebounder type of guy like Jameel McKay or like a, a Dustin Hogue, that type of player this year. And in, even George's senior year stepped up, you know, increased his rebounds. We don't have that type of guy, and we need that type of guy. For, you, we need him to be a Dennis Rodman type of guy that's getting a bunch of rebounds. Even though he's smaller, he's stronger than everybody else on the court, and he has to use his strengths and be smart about it and just be a smarter player on the defensive end. Defense is about effort, 90% of it, but you also have to be smart about what you're doing and how you position yourself. A couple of the guys that I'm also looking forward to are just some of the new guys. I know Jacoby Long, uh, Long coming in from Oklahoma City. He's a freshman. I, I've been really high on him. There's not Nobody really talks about him, but I think he's a guy in the future that could be leaving this program. You have to look down the future and what you have. And I think Prome, as of yesterday, we have a top 15 recruiting class, and they have three spots open for next year. They could possibly, everything I've read from the so-called experts around the country, Iowa State has a chance to finish uh, with a recruiting class in the top 10 next year. To be completely transparent and honest, I wasn't sure about Steve Prohm. Even with all that great talent last year, I was really happy with the Sweet 16. And I have no problems. I don't live in the past. I'm really happy. But I'm still a little skeptical about what they were doing and how he was going to recruit and you know he did a really good job at murray state but how you know coming to the big 12 how would that translate and i think he's done an excellent he's already showing that he can recruit and he's right. done an excellent job yeah and he's getting solid kid good kids that we can be proud of that we that he's going to put on the court that are going to do good things outside of hilton in the classroom and in the community that part's Actually, to me, as an Iowa State fan, is almost as encouraging because he's not taking shortcuts. Right. He's sticking to his morals. He's sticking to what he believes in and, and what's worked for him in the past. Yeah, no, I, I think we're all uh, obviously in shock when Fred left. So I'm not sure, minus hiring Larry Bird, that anybody was going to be happy with whoever came in to run this program. But the encouraging things were uh, he showed a, a track record at Murray State of bringing in guards that might have been under the radar and turning them into first-round draft picks. And then the other thing that I really liked was he seemed to be a defensive guy. Uh, it's great to score 8 of 89. It really doesn't matter. Uh, and I think we saw a little bit of that change last year with the defense that the Cyclones played. So, you know, I'm just – I you know, not to bring this to West Virginia, but I love watching West Virginia play basketball. Not have a game after West Virginia on ESPN that starts at 11 p.m., but – just the, the pressure and the defense, you know, that's something I'm really into when it comes to basketball. I know a lot of people are concerned about the lack of height this year. I would ask that same person with the same concern if they watched Villanova last year play. Right. 
And I'd asked them if they didn't to go back and watch Villanova highlights from last year and ask them how many big guys they had last year. They had, I can't think of names, right? Uh, they had a guy that was 6'7", was their main big guy. And they got up, and their guards pressured three-quarters court if they had to. Me, and one of the reasons why Kansas in the past has been really successful, because on the defensive end, when you get to that three-point line, they're out on you, and they're all over you. Right. Getting back to my point, you have an athletic guy that's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, that's enough in today's age. If they can go out and shoot like a George and expand that court, I think people are starting to realize there's more value on a versatile guy to George Niang than there is a guy that's a straight back-to-the-basket score. I just really am excited about this team because I think they have a ton of guards and they're going to play small ball. But that's encouraging to me because I think Iowa State's going to have a, a better defense than we've had in a long, long time. They're going to, since you Stacy days, they're going to come out and they're going to pressure you out on the three-point line. They're going to rebound because they have better technique. I just and better athleticism than some of those teams that have your traditional big guys. Right. No, I completely agree. It'll be a, an interesting year. I'm not saying Iowa State's Villanova, but I'm just saying that it, it's encouraging to kind of look at Vill- the Villanova formula that won them a national championship because they had guard play, they could shoot, they could get up and transition, and they can defend. And, you know, they didn't have a million big guys. So I might be wrong. My, my memory, I am 31 now, so my memory might be slipping, but what I remember from their team last year was just guys that could go out and pressure and they fast break and they could shoot. Positions one through three, if not one through four, were all six, five guards that just guarded you. Yeah. No pun intended. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the, how how well this team does this year. Let's take a trip down memory lane. What are one or two or three of your best memories as a Cyclone? All time or last year? All time. Oh, let's see. Probably number one, if I'm going to go, I'm going to start football. I would say my number one would be the run from Seneca Wallace. You just stole one of mine from Uh, my list. my, My niece, who's now a freshman in high school, was one years old at that time. And I remember holding her in my left arm and that uh, that run taking place. And then she threw up all over me because I kept jumping <laughs> up and down. So I would say that's that's probably that's probably number one for me. Number two, anything George did, uh, good or bad, you know, he just uh, he was you know the, a four year guy, somebody that was kind of he was the the hidden player in high school and ended up being, in my opinion, better. Then can't remember. Nerlens Noel. Yeah, you haven't heard that one before. Yeah, I mean he's. I think Nerlens plays for Philadelphia, and he doesn't play. He doesn't play that much. So that's my number two. And then I'd probably go with the what I like to call the Canadian Cowboy Killer, Nas Long, just taking down the Oklahoma State Cowboys a couple different times. First experience at Hilton is my all-time favorite Iowa State experience. I remember I was like seven or eight. It was. I would have been seven in 1992. It was Johnny's last year and Fred's junior year. Before they moved into the Floyd era, it was a Nebraska game in January, and it went into overtime, and Iowa State came away. And I just remember, just you know, it was only it was just a Nebraska game, you know, in January, and they really weren't the team really wasn't going anywhere. But the place is packed, and the passion. I just it always stood. I'm just like looking around. I remember this vaguely as a kid, just like looking around Hilton. And it was completely just one of those 
awe moments. It was absolutely, I was hooked, and I was like, I, I, this is a place where I want to go to school someday, and, and I did. It just was a magical experience. It, I'll never forget it, and I know you just mentioned the Seneca Wallace run against Texas Tech. It was just one of my, if you look back at Iowa State history and football, there's not a whole lot of positive if you look at the grand scheme of things, and Seneca Wallace is one of those guys who just had the it factor. Seneca Wallace's don't come walking through Iowa State every day, and he was just he was just a blast to watch, you know. And I, I know it didn't it didn't end the way everybody wanted it to, but he brought Iowa State to a football program to another level it had never been to, and he's just one of those quarterbacks you 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 absolutely take that guy. If you get a chance to get that guy. Right. And probably my third favorite experience was with my wife, Nikki, in 2014. Iowa State was just with Fred. It was had a couple good years, but it just really had, you know, a couple tournaments. But it just hadn't really had anything to show for it to put in the trophy case. And my wife and I went down there. Our expectations were no expectations. We just wanted to go down there. We were like, hey, if we come home on... Thursday, we, we come home, and our first-round game was against Kansas State. We had a solid showing, had a you know a seven-point win, and we were staying in a Best Western hotel down there, probably five minutes from Sprint Center. Everybody in the hotel, the people, the management, everybody. It was, an Iowa, everybody, it was packed full of Iowa State fans. It was just a fun experience. Everybody was having a, a ton of fun. Power and light was awesome. And the next day, we get Kansas. And we're sitting by the same. We had our seats. We had we had tickets for the, the whole thing, and we sit by the same people every night. Iowa State fans every night. And I remember beating Kansas in that game. And we had an annoying Kansas fan. God, he was as annoying Aren't as they all yeah. And we heckled him. The group of Iowa State fans around him heckled him. So he was by himself. Heckled him enough that he left at halftime and didn't return. It was probably one of my proudest moments as an Iowa State fan. And winning that game, Fred getting the tee, then after the game giving the Johnny War pump, it, it was kind of a sign that Iowa State was for real. You know, one of those moments where not quite there as a program, but it was building in the process, continuing to build something special. And then going on to Baylor the next night where it was 19,000 Iowa State fans, basically it was one of those really surreal moments as a Iowa State fans. Something that chokes me up to the day because it was it was definitely something special. You just can't script things like that. Well, Sean, do you have any lasting thoughts before we wrap this thing up? We're going to do this again. We'll just have we'll just have more sleep under our belt the next time we do it. Well, I'll end it with a few questions for you. All right. Okay. Oh man, putting me on. So, the uh, football team has one victory to this point. We have what six games left? Five games left? How many? How many more victories Five. do we get? One more. Is it Kansas? Yes. What about Kansas State this Saturday? Any chance? Yeah. Chance? Yes. Will they win? No. Right. Uh, I say K State by fourteen, like 35-21. Okay. That range. Okay. All right. So. All right, Kansas State's kind of. They've had some flashes where they played really well, and Kansas State's like a seven and five team, six and six team to me. Okay, they're they're just 
what I've seen, I've only seen two of their games. Uh, they blew out Florida Atlantic, I believe, 63-7 earlier in that game. Uh, I saw them play Stanford the first week of the season, and I just thought, I thought to myself, they have smart defensive, they're really solid on defense, and solid fundamentally on offense, they just don't have a quarterback. It's kind of what I've, and I haven't seen, I, you know, I'm speaking on two games that I've seen. Yeah, I've seen uh, zero games. I'm hoping we can beat Kansas State, but I'm, I'm not uh, hoping. Last question is, does the men's basketball team win 20 games in the regular season? Yes, they win more than 20. Okay. And, okay, third question, bonus question. Does Monte win player of the year? Yes, he does. He's going to increase his scoring average because we saw spurts. In games where he knew that he had to be the guy that took over. And I saw, going back to a little bit of that Colorado game, uh, the first game of the season last year, he kind of showed a little some flashes. He showed flashes where he had to be the guy. And he, my favorite players have all three phases of the game. They can shoot, they can take it to the hole, they can shoot a jump shot, and they can shoot a three-pointer. Monte's three-point shot has gotten better a little bit each year. It's not completely where they want it to be, but he's starting to get it to where he needs to be. I'm confident with him in all three phases of the game. If I had to ask him to shoot a three-pointer to win the game, I'd be more than happy to. Do you have Matt Thomas and Nas Long to do that as well? That's what's encouraging Jackson now. I really like him. I think he's going to be another X-Factor. He's, he's, you can either, if he plays really well, you can go to a four-guard lineup and put him in their starting lineup and ask Burton to play the five. To me, the game has changed so evolved so much that I just don't like to put numbers. That that kid's a five. I can tell you he's a center or four. I just don't like you know. I don't like to label players anymore. I like players that are versatile. And I think Iowa State with starting with Fred, he brought in players that could do multiple things. You know why have a five that can only sit under the basket and do nothing, block shots, and that's all he does. You want to have players that have multiple strengths, and I think that's Fred did a good job of recruiting that type of player. And Proms, I think, is going to continue. He's talked about continuing to find guys that can do multiple things. Iowa State in the past has had problems finding versatile players, and I think Fred did a good job opening that door. I agree. I think this year is not to jump back and forth, but sitting at Hilton Madness a week and a half ago, a week ago, this is probably one of the most athletic teams I've seen in a long time. Whether they have the individual skill to put it all together on the court, I don't know. But it, it didn't look like your typical Iowa State team out there. So that, that was very encouraging. Well, buddy, thanks for joining me. Keep fighting the good fight. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Thanks for listening to the Brad LaFratt Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe and rate on iTunes. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Brad LaFrat Pod. This has been a Brad LaFrat production. Join me every other Monday for another edition of the Brad LaFrat Podcast.